Blog Talk Radio. have a 
a great work work ethic. Um, I learned a lot of that from, you know, my grandmother, um, who I spent a lot of time with growing up, um, and from my mother, and, and also my father. Um, they instilled a sense of um, seeing the value in every person, and and being a part of people's growth, and not, um, you know, being a part of someone's um, decline. So, you know, my whole being is about, you know, helping people to grow and and modeling growth also. So not only, you know, always kind of, you know, talking about it, but also, you know, showing, you know, growth in my own life. Um, and, And, you know, I've been working with young people in my community ever since I was a young man. You know, I would, all of the younger kids in the community would, um, come to my house and we would organize football teams. Everybody would eat dinner at my mom's table on Sunday. So, you know, this is just something that I've done. And then, you know, shifting into the professional world was just something that was a matter of time. Yeah, that's good. Now, tell us about your work with the City of Promise. Um, Many might not know what it's about. Tell us about it and how it's impacting lives. So um, the City of Promise is um, a Department of Education, Promise Neighborhood um, Initiative. Um, It is based on the um, work of Jeffrey Canada and the Harlem Children's Zone. And, um, you know, when when, uh, candidate Obama was running for office, you know, he got wind of the Harlem Children's Zone and all of the impact they were making in Harlem, with uh, what is called place-based initiative, where they sought to lift up an entire community um, through, you know, academic and community supports. Um, yeah, academic and community supports, and um, so that is, um, you know, what the City of Promise um, is based on: the Harlem Children's Zone. And um, President Obama, you know, made this an initiative to through the Department of Education. And Charlottesville was awarded a Promise Neighborhood um, um, planning grant, and that was to do a comprehensive needs assessment and segmentation analysis. Um, just had a council member walk in the room. <laughs> Sorry, um, but. Um, um, but, but, yeah, so Charlottesville was recognized, and at that time I was working in D.C. Um, for the Knowledge is Power program, doing much the same thing, helping kids on the pathway to college, um, and got um, recruited back here for this position to direct um, this program. And it was a pretty big deal, you know, because um, Charlottesville was one of 15 cities to be awarded a planning grant um, in the entire nation. So, um, it, it goes to show that, you know, Charles was fortunate to get that, but also that there is a lot of work to be done here in Charlottesville to make sure that, you know, there are equitable outcomes so that no matter where you live, um, you are getting um, the same outcomes and there isn't this, you know, achievement gap and um, disproportionate um, contact in the criminal justice system. So all of those things that, that we are working on and are focused on. Yeah, you mentioned cradle-to-grave approach. I'm, I'm sorry, not cradle-to-grave, cradle-to-college approach. We want mm-hmm. to do that, that opposite of cradle-to-grave. Well, it's, <laughs> right, yeah, it's um, cradle-to-college and career. So our job, we work with young people from the age of zero to 22. So, and, and how we say zero is we work with the parents before they have the children because um, part of our operation is that um, if parents understand how children um, develop in a healthy way um, before they are born, then they will be set up for success as they continue to go through and matriculate through their educational career. So um, we have a parent education course called Roots to Wings um, for parents to learn about um, healthy development of young people so that they're ready, and that is for um, parents with children from the age, age zero to five. And then we have um, also a um, we have a uh, um, after school program for the kids who are um, K through four. So the K through four kids, we have after school program which focuses on reading intervention. 
Um, and then our middle school, the high school, is where we put a lot of our emphasis um, right now. Um, we have what is called a pathway coach. So those folks in those grades have a comprehensive case manager that works on academic and community supports and sets up an individualized plan for the um, for those young people and their families. Um, and, you know, we walk with these kids through the pathway and the process, and we make sure that they're successful um, through college. Um, I can say that um, I've actually moved in one of our students um, to college last um, in August. Um, we had two kids from the community, one that finished um, college. Um, she finished at uh, BCU, and now she's gone to law school. And we had one young man who finished at UVA from the community, and he's gone to work on his Ph.D. at Berkeley, um, at um, um, University of Cal, Cal Berkeley. So um, kids, are just, you know, kids are doing it, man. And, and part of it is, you know, creating a, a different um, perception of the community because sometimes under-resourced communities get the perception that there is um, – there aren't, um, there isn't brilliance there, but there, there is, and um, and our job is to make sure that that it continues, it thrives, and um, we, um, you know, create a pathway for others to to walk down. That's powerful, and I've I've had the opportunity to see you live and in color at work. Um, <laughs> I was fortunate to yeah to come to Charlottesville and do a workshop with some of your young people, and uh, literally as I pulled up, you were getting out of the car with the juice and the muffins, setting up the place. And literally, you were like, hey, Mike, let's go knocking on some doors. I've seen <laughs> grassroots up close and personal. Talk a little bit about that. How has it been for you going back into the same community that you've grown up in, and now you're, you're tasked with this responsibility to help rebuild that community? What's it been like for you? Um, it's been great. I mean, I feel like I'm on purpose. It's hard work. I always say hard work, but it's good work. Um, I got all of these little things, and now I say them so much that my staff, they say them. It's amazing because I'm like, I, I said that? And they're like, yeah, you said that. That's why we say it because you say it. But, um, what are some I of those things that, you say? Um, like it's hard work, but it's good work. I also say that it's heart work. You know, H-E-A-R-T, it's heart work. Um, you know, you don't, you know, you can't be on my team unless you got, your heart is in this work. Um, you, this is not, this is not a job. Where you come in nine to five and you clock in and clock out. This is this is the real deal. You're gonna lace up your strap, your bootstraps every day, and we're gonna go in. This is this is um, we're doing whatever it takes to make sure that you know children and families, um, the outcomes change and to you know get them on a plan for success. And and if that means that you know when you came, I think we had like a slight um, hurricane or tornado or something, and all the power was out. And yeah. but we still got to get the work done because um, it, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it was a hurricane, you know. We we got to get the work done. We got to get the kids here, and we got to make sure that um, we change generational outcomes because a lot of these things have been um, going on for generations. And um, if nobody's willing to get in there and do the work and to um, and to get in the dirty and messy places you know, where the problems are, then it's never going to change. And, you know, why things haven't changed is because people aren't willing to, you know, kind of roll up their sleeves and and, um, and get in and, and do the work and build the relationships. Um, a lot of our work is, is, is we are in the relationship business. It's another thing that, you know, um, my staff repeats, we are in the relationship business. Um, we build trust. We build bridges um, so that, you know, people can walk across them and, and do and do what they're capable of doing. Um, so I was glad that you were able to see that. I mean, it's, it's not, um, it's not real cut and dry. You can't just call a meeting and, and, and just and put out flyers and, you know, and think everybody going to show up. You, you, you got to put in the extra effort, um, until you get to a certain tipping point where people automatically, um, come and expect to be a part of the, um, the initiative because it is community yeah. building and it is um, empowerment. It is it is not for us to um, to do the work because at a certain hour of the day, you know, staff is going to go home and the community has to continue to be safe for children. It has to be a place where, um, you know, families can thrive. And we're not going to always be there, but our job is to make sure that 
um, the community has the tools to be successful, um, whether we're there or not. I see. I see. What are some of the supports that you put in place or some of the relationships that have been built with you? I, I can hear in some of your sayings and some of your quotes how those, how those sayings can really rally support. It sounds like a team approach. What have you done to help build that team? Because, And I say that because I think that we have listeners out there who sometimes feel like, you know, they're the only ones or the faithful few, if, if, if you, for lack of a better term. What have you done to help build some of those supports? Well, you know, you got to you, – you, one thing I said um, that we do and we did before is we have a listening tour. So we have to listen to people. And um, people people do – you know, people are thinkers, and people always assume that they know what's best for people. But we take a very asset-based approach, and we recognize that all people have gifts and qualities. And we try to um, help to – um, get people to, um, you know, show their gifts and qualities, and we try to shape them in such a way that they can be maximized throughout the community. And that's how we get, you know, um, buy-in and participation. I'll give you an example. We had a parent who um, whose son was in a karate class, which was way down 29. It was far away, and it was expensive. She asked me, could I take her son? And she asked me, could I pay for his class? I told her no. <laughs> um, but you know, so we we came to the we came together and we worked on something where we ended up getting the teacher to come to the community and we opened it up to all the kids in the community and he did it at a very inexpensive rate that we could and that we were able to get a donor to to make sure that all kids could participate and so you know with working with that parent, um, you know she was empowered. Um, to, you know, think creatively about how to make things happen in her community. And, and it's not necessarily, a, um, it's not like we're we're giving um, people something. We are empowering them to, um, to kind of be active in their community. And, and, and we try to, you know, help facilitate that process. Um, and she's going on to be a leader in the initiative, um, she goes to businesses and they bring, um, they do food pro bono for the kids. So the kids have karate um, at least once a week and they have dinner together. And, and this parent is, you know, it is really a parent run operation. Like I rarely have to come. Wow. You know, sometimes I'll come and, and you know, make, you know, take role. I'll send a staff member to come and see how many kids are there, but the the parents are making sure the kids got dinner, they're making sure the kids are there, they're making sure the kids um, are, are behaving. It's, it's just it's an amazing operation. Yeah, you touched on something key. What I'm, what I'm hearing is a hand up, not a hand out. Correct. Because sometimes, yeah, sometimes we think, you know, well, let me give a few hours of my spare time, you know, some of my leftover time. But really when you when you serve and when you get involved, you're helping people to help themselves. Uh, right. Talk a little bit about that. What have been some of the outcomes that you've seen? Well, man, we've had we've had um, um, neighbors who have um, gone on to do great things afterwards. We had a neighbor who was on our um, our steering committee who went and took a class. They have a class called the Neighborhood Leadership Institute um, with the entire city. And they go through like uh, I don't know, it's months of months worth of classes, and they um, are involved in an initiative. They're involved in um, projects throughout the city, and they learn how the city works. And she graduated from the program, and now she's on the board of you know other agents, another agencies in the city. One of the boards she's on is um, the Aid Services Group. Um, so now she serves on that board, and she started, you know, with us through our training, and now she's active throughout the city. And, that, and that's just one example. We have um, several um, of our um, people, neighbors who served on our steering committee who are um, – two of them are what they call FAR interns, and they are public housing association resident interns. So they are doing internships with the um, public housing um Association of Residents, and we have one of our youth council members that is an intern in that. We also have one of our youth council members who um, is on the citywide youth council. 
so um based on our them being on our youth council they had they have um received the position to be on the citywide youth council um and she's she's doing awesome she's doing great so we hope that what we do is a training ground for for leaders to not only work in their in their immediate community but to work in the entire um you know Charlottesville metropolitan area and to you know create you know um self advocacy uh for themselves in all in all realms that's good i read recently read a statistic that about twenty six percent of Americans volunteer at some point now you're a community organizer this is what you do what would you say mm-hmm. to the to those in the community that see a need, they see the issues, they diagnose the problem. What would you say to motivate them to get involved? What are some practical steps that uh, our community can take? Um, do you mean you mean the community? So the thing is, the most important thing is to be present. Um, if you're not present, you, you can't really know or understand the needs. Right? And if you're not um, and to be in a position to listen, because oftentimes our perceptions are wrong about certain communities, and we have to really take time to be present and really listen and understand what is going on. Um, oftentimes people in under-resourced communities can't articulate their frustration, um, but their frustration is valid, and we have to um you know, recognize that their frustration is valid. Um, and then how do we create, how do we work with them to look for solutions to those frustrations? Um, mm-hmm. um, how do we, you know, kind of look at those things together in a, in, from a place that is not condescending and a place that is not, um, 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 uh, how do they say it, um, um, parental or of any um, of, of any sort, like don't come from a place of condescension or paternalism. Right. Right? You can't be paternal. You have to meet people where they are and recognize their own um, their own assets. And then once you meet in that place, if you can meet in that place, then you can really get some things done. Um, and um, that's but it's hard because it takes it takes a long time. It's like a tugboat turn in a ship, you know, it's, it's, and people want to see um, things immediately. And what right. I would recommend for those who are doing the work is to do both, right? You have to do the long, hard work, but you do have to have some immediate outcomes. So, like, the karate for us was that was not something that we that we had to do based on our um, um, directions from the Department of Education. You know, we only needed to do a needs assessment um, and a com- uh, comprehensive needs assessment, segmentation analysis, and a strategic plan. Um, but oftentimes, when you work in communities, they, you know, you can't think that, and you can't think that they're going to wait two years, and you keep telling them that you're going to do something. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you yeah. you have to simultaneously be strategically planning while at the same time you're doing some things that is recognizable in the community if you want trust, um, buy-in, and participation. What would what would some of the com- community members say they're saying? What, what are you hearing from your community based upon all of this intervention and involvement that's going on? Um, well, I think, I think it's, um, you know, this is what I would say. I was at the gym the other day, and you know, I was with the with the trainer, and he was saying, you know, like when you go to the when you're working out, and you get up in the morning, you look at yourself in the mirror every day. He said, sometimes you don't notice the difference that is happening um, to you, all right? He said, but other people do, you know. Other people will notice like something's happening, you know. And you know, sometimes you can notice by how your clothes fit. You know, your clothes are fitting differently. So, like, oftentimes when we're in the midst of transformation, those things are aren't hard to see. Uh, they are hard to see, but we are very data driven. Um, every conversation that a staff member has in the community, every interaction, every referral to a partner agency is documented. So we know our level of effort and we know our level of impact. 
and we can quantify it. Not only is it we can feel the change, but we can show you the change in the data and the numbers. Um, so our operation is very much so data-driven, and we want to make sure that um, we can show our impact. Um, and that's something that we'll continue to, to work on and perfect, that not only because, you know, a lot of people are doing work out there, but they're not measuring their impact. And it just it may feel good, but people are still going, getting into the criminal justice system. Um, kids are still skipping school. So we want to know if what we're doing is making a difference. And if it's not making a difference, then we need to change it. So, um, so it is for us, I'll tell you, it is making a difference. And there is, there is a different sense of hope. There is, a, there is a positive alternative to kids that want to get into negative um, associations like gangs and things like that. We are, we are a glaring positive alternative, and they have a, they have a choice. Um, they have a definite choice, and that's not always the case in some communities. Now, what would you say to those in those communities who don't have the muscle, who don't have the Department of Education behind them? What can parents do right now? What can churches mm-hmm. do? To, to roll up their sleeves, and they might not have the measurement tool, but they want to help out at a homeless shelter. They want to start a mentoring group. What can those people do? Well, let me tell you, like, um, community associations, and especially the church, is, um, is, 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 is a critical, um, is a, is a critical partner in the work, right? And, and they are positioned um, to do a lot of work and to make a great impact in communities, especially underserved communities. Um, I, I think that it has to be intentional, though. You know, if there if there is there is intentional um, there is an intentional focus to um, attack some of the outcomes in, you know, communities that surround churches, then it can happen. You, you know, you, you need to work with the leaders in the community and, like, really roll up your sleeves. And for me, this is, this is, this is our, um, you know, if you want to get spiritual about it, you know, um, Jesus says that I came that you may have life and may have it more abundantly, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the fact is that there are people in communities that so, that around and are next to and beside churches where people are living dead and they are wow. not they are, they are walking dead and it is in my opinion the obligation of the church to um to let people know that Jesus came that they may have life and have it more abundantly um wow. so that you know they can live um and um, cuz a lot of it is just you know not living to your potential not not um, living in a place um, where God can, um, you know, most effectively use you, not putting yourself in a position to be most used by God and to live, you know, more abundantly. So I think that the church can play a critical role, um, and, and many already are, and that's not to say that they are, that many already are um, making a difference, as I see um, developments um, made by churches, they're they're producing, they're providing housing, they're buying property, and they're really revitalizing communities. I've seen that throughout the country, um, and um, some are already doing it. But uh, I think it's critical that the church and other associations um, are involved. But you have to come from a very asset based approach, and you right. can't come condescending. You can't come. Uh, you can't be ferocious. You can't be pharisaical and sagittatical. You got to be very, um, you got to meet people where they are and then um, take them where they can go um, or walk with them as they go into their potential. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that God cares enough about us to meet us where we are. And then he loves us enough not to leave us there. Correct. when you when you were talking, I thought about maybe those in, that are in the community, and you know, sometimes maybe we look down on them and say, "Why aren't they doing something?" But really, many times those that are you know dealing with the issues in the community, uh, they feel it the most. But like a lot of times, there's not the organization. So I'm so glad you mentioned the church and 
and entities that are in the community right now that are already doing the work. Sometimes we just need to plug into those things that are already active. But you got to want to be there. you got to want to be active and be present. And I know you got to go here in a little bit, but uh, before you leave, uh, Michael Fordham wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Hi, Sarad. Um I, I just wanted to, I, I'm listening to everything and I'm um, taking it all in, and I just wanted to know about this event, what you're doing today, any upcoming events, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to put it out there. If there are nonprofits you're associated with as well, how can people be a part of what you're doing, this movement, and contribute and be of help in some way? Well, there's um, there's there's a few ways we have on our website, and I'll just um, mention the website is cityofpromise.org, cityofpromise.org. There is there are opportunities for people to volunteer. Um, we have volunteer um, in school, so we have schools so people can go in and tutor children, um, read to children. We have out of school support to help with our after school program and community programming, and we also have outreach. Um, we do outreach to the seniors in the neighborhood. A week ago we did um, some painting for some senior citizens in the neighborhood. Um, so those are the key areas for volunteering in school, out of school, and outreach. Um, if you go to the website, there is a um, volunteer tab so you can, um, you can volunteer um, and you can register on the website. Um, also, we um, we do you know we are um, recognized by the Department of Education, but we do have to um, um, we do have to raise our own funding also. And um, and if people are willing to partner with us in such a way that they can you know donate resources, we welcome that also, so that we can continue to to do this work um, in a in a very powerful way. Um, so, you know, those are the two main ways that people can contribute. Um, uh, we have a few campaigns going on now um, that people can contribute. Um, we have a Game Changer campaign where people, if they go to the website, they can they can get a T-shirt um, that says, I am a Game Changer, and it has our logo, and that's a way to, you know, help us to continue to do this work. And they can also um, just um, give with the donate button or volunteer and and we welcome any of those ways that people want to support, you know, our efforts as we continue this work. All right. And give us that website one more time, if you could, please. Uh, cityofpromise.org. And it's all lowercase. Hey, Sarad, we appreciate you. And uh, I know you have an event today, and I thank you for taking the time to be with us. And uh, don't be weary in your well-doing, my friend. You're making a tremendous hey. impact. And uh, I know... I thank you personally, and your community thanks you. Amen. Thank you guys so much for having me on. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Thank Reverend Davenport. And now what we want to do is go ahead and introduce our next guest, Mr. Brandon K. Price. Brandon Price is a native of Asheboro, North Carolina, and a graduate of Fayetteville State University, where he earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science, concentrating in public administration. After Brandon graduated from FSU, he began working at Fayetteville Urban Ministry, Find a Friend Program as the mentor coordinator. Find a Friend Program, under the umbrella of Fayetteville Urban Ministry, teaches youth character building, leadership, and life skills. Coaching, teaching, and steering the focus of these youth have become a part of the passion of Price. Having working with hundreds of kids, nothing brings him more joy than seeing new faces eager to learn and challenge him to bring out the best in them. In February of 2013, Price released his first book entitled The Precipice, a book focused on preparing for opportunities. In the literary piece, Price discusses thoughts and concepts that need to be considered while preparing for opportunities. Brandon Price loves working with children and has dedicated his life's work to teaching, mentoring, and shaping the lives of young people. A bit of a kid himself, Brandon believes in the concept of reach them before you can teach them. Price has been recognized as one of Fayetteville's 40 under 40 in 2013. This honor is awarded to the Fayetteville and Cumberland County Rising Leaders for their business success and community impact. 
Brandon Price, welcome to this broadcast, sir. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate the opportunity to to speak and be a part of such a. Uh, you know, I was listening to the intro and I love the brown bag. Go ahead and sing a little bit of it. Go ahead. I, I know you got the. Vocal. Yeah, yeah. I had to do a little bit for you. You know, a little bit. I'm glad you like that. Well, man, welcome you, on. Man. Such a great show. Awesome. Let me go ahead and set the stage how I met you, and then I'm going to allow you to share here. Uh, One day I was sitting at my computer, and I got an email from my sister, and she was telling us about a young man that she came up with that had an idea to do something in the community, and it was you. And I didn't know you at the time, but I thought, wow, here's somebody who's from this community, is still near this community, and wants to bring other professionals together to help empower the community at the level that he's on. And I, I, I knew I had to be a part of it, and it was a great event. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you get this heart to serve, and how has it led you to where you are now? Uh, well, I, I wish I could take the credit for the heart to serve, man, but I, I, I can't. It's something that's been uh, uh, given to me genetically. My mom and my dad and my family they do everything they can to help the community. Um, and and that comes from the grassroots part of just old-fashioned church. You know, when somebody, there's a need for somebody or somebody, somebody asks you to do something, you try to do it. And and so I watched my father, you know, give the shirt off his back to plenty of people. And him being the baby of eight, you know, he was always either helping his brothers or sisters, they were helping us, or we were helping somebody collectively as a, as a family. So, um just doing stuff for people, man, uh, and, and without expecting something in return has been what I've observed my entire life. And so when I kind of found my own niche, which was working with kids and loving to uh, uh, give back in that respect, um, that became my passion. Um, and it started really from a group that I used to be a part of back in Asheville called the Randleman Warriors for Jesus Step Team, the Christian Step Team started by Wanda Gaines that, tried to pull a lot of the community kids together to do a stepping. And I was, the, you know, the captain, and I was one of the older kids in it, and so I loved working with the younger kids, <clears throat> teaching them how to step, and I love to perform. So that's kind of really where it all uh, initiated out of, which was, you know, just working with my peers and my my younger cousins and, and younger community members teaching us how to step. And so it eventually graduated into what is, uh, you know, the Boys and Girls Club of Asheboro, and then, you know, now uh, the Boys and Girls Club in Cumberland County, all through college, and then uh, now at the Finder Firm Program through uh, Fayetteville Urban Ministry. So it's, uh, it's it's everything I've ever done. Yeah, tell us more specifically about your work there with Fayetteville Urban Ministries. When I got hired seven years ago, I got hired as a mentor program coordinator, and the basis of my job was to recruit, train, and screen uh, adult volunteers to work one-on-one with, with youth. Um, many have or would compare it to being a big brothers, big sisters type of program, but where I would say it's a lot different from that is that it's a, what Find a Friend does is an extremely more intense involvement with a youth in their life because not only do we have the mentoring component, but we also see kids after school every day. You know, And uh, in age-appropriate workshops, we have elementary school all at one time, we have middle school all at one time. We have high school all at one time, and all of those are separated by the. Uh, we have, like, say, this week's workshop is on health and hygiene, where we cover it on the elementary side, on the middle middle age side, and then the high school side. And so, um, find a friend is extremely different than most programs in that we have a an aggressive, hands on approach, and a true black and white program where. We just keep it 100% real with the kids because we have kids from every background, from uh, group homes, growing up with single-parent homes, dual-parent households, therapeutic home, foster care, um, living with a grandparent, aunt, uncle, great-aunt, uncle, somebody raising them like that. So we have all walks of life and from every socioeconomic background. And so I see it on every level. I've seen kids whose parents can't read their own names off off of a sheet of paper, let alone, you know, I've seen it where parents – uh, make six figures and are still working with their kids. So it, it's not so much just, com- you know, the, the term at risk comes into mind, but it's not really at risk or high risk kids. It's just kids who need a little bit of help 
channeling some of those energies that they that they have and making them a better person. Because, mm-hmm. Mike, you know that, you know, sometimes your parents, no matter how many times they say it, you just don't get it. But when somebody else says the same exact thing to you later down the line, it's like, man, all of a sudden something clicks. Well, what is something that clicks? <laughs> what is something that makes yeah. something click? That's good. Brandon, speak from your heart. What would you say to that listener out there who sees the need in the community, they see the issues, and they have a heart to serve? What can they do? Well, the first thing is I would tell anybody, any, any, everybody can do something. And uh, not one person can do everything, but everybody can do something. And so what I would say is get involved with your, with your local community uh, programs and look and see which ones are doing the type of work that you want to get involved with. You know, I, I use a community like Fayetteville who has a plethora of nonprofit organizations that focus in different areas. So whether it's a child advocacy group working with kids of um, child sexual abuse, um, being abused as, uh, as children with uh, sexual abuse, or the Salvation Army, you know, and that working with the homeless population, um, shelters or feeding the homeless through Operation In As Much, you know, who is doing that every um, every morning and every midday doing breakfast and lunch. So it's just really about getting involved. The first step is to do something, is to get involved, yeah. get off the couch, you know, and if you don't have um, – at Urban Ministry, we say, you know, you can donate to uh, – you can do time, talent, or treasure with us. You know, time, which is obviously getting off the couch, getting involved, come down volunteering, helping to sort food and help, you know, or, you know, talent would be like holding a food drive at your job or at your kid's school, you know, helping get things involved or bringing that talent. Like if you – you know, say you're a computer tech geek type of guy or woman. You know, we always have a need for stuff like that, you know, working yeah. with our computer systems, making them better. That's something that you can donate your talent to, you know, or if you're a graphic designer, we always need flyers. We always need new and different innovative ways to market our program. Um, and Or let's say that you're a carpenter. You know, we, we also work with um, families, uh, low-income homeowners, getting their homes, re, uh, making them safer. And so if they have a leaky roof and stuff like that, you can come and donate your time by helping us patch that roof up or build a uh, um, a, a handicap ramp. And then the treasure, obviously, is writing a check. Put your money where your mouth is. You know, yeah. everybody's going to say, well, I don't have that much money. You know, we got $5, $5 or $1. Let's say $1. You know, in Cumberland County, um, there's about 300,000 residents in Cumberland County. If everyone gave $1, we're talking about $300,000. Yeah. But every dollar matters from the first dollar to the $300,000. Uh, and so I would say just you can get involved with any community by one of those three ways, either time, talent, or treasure. But being a part of that, you know, and sometimes people are doing mentoring that they don't even realize it. You yeah. know, the the local kids in the community or the kids at your church, you know, they like to be around you or they're looking at you. And I was one of those people who watched people from a distance, never said a lot to them, but I just observed, you know, how they handled their business. And it made me want to model my behavior after that. And so being a good person, you know, we all have different vices and we all fall short. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's innate. That's what the Bible says. Nobody's perfect. So right. the best thing you do is be the very best person you can be and be an example that others may want to follow. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, you might even find yourself in a conversation with someone and sometimes you get the feeling that they're speaking about their community or, you know, communities in general as if they're not a part of it or they're right. detached from it. Share share from a perspective of maybe someone that you've worked with. Speak for that, that young boy that might be being looked down upon, but he, what he really needs is some support or some assistance, that, that hand up, if you will, not a handout. Speak for that well, young boy or that young girl. Why is serving our community so important? Well, and this is what I'll say in terms of a hand up and not a hand out. I, I, I personally mentored a kid by the name of Devante. When we came into our program, he came on probation um, for bringing a knife to school. He was in, uh, fooling around with gangs. And uh, this was, uh, yeah, he, and he, he was born to his mother. His mother was 13 when she had him. And now um, Devante comes into our program at the age of 13, and so um, I didn't purposely start mentoring him. Let me keep that in mind. <clears throat> he was just a kid that always kind of, you know, stayed around with me, 
always talking to me, and uh, we just kind of forged a relationship because he was in the program. And one summer, you know, the, the couple of the boys was getting together, and they wanted to stay the night um, at my house, and I kind of opened it up to them, and we just kind of forged a relationship. But he was somebody who didn't really – he wasn't uh, – even though he was on probation, he had a lot of good sense, and he had a lot of um, – he understood a lot more about life, and he was eager to learn. He could have easily went in a different direction if the wrong person would have started mentoring him. But um, he's a kid who just needed a hand up, not a hand out. He needed somebody to help put him on the right track because he could run. He just right. needed to be on the right track. You know, if you if you have somebody and put them in the woods, they're going to run straight through the woods. Um, because what, the thing is, whether you like it or not, these, these kids or these people, or these are young adults, they're going to do whatever it is they want to do. It's better if we can get them to do it for the right reason. And so what we try to talk about is using your powers for good, your power of influence, your power yeah. of, of spoken word, your power of, of presence. Those things are things that can be easily used in a different arena. But if we can get you to use them in the right arena, then Devontae would go on to graduate from high school, you know what I mean, and now as a student in college, something that somebody once upon a time told him could not happen. And so a lot of times, especially for our young men, um, so if there's older men that's listening, I would just simply say, take interest in asking a, kid, a young man how how his day is at school, how's his grades coming along, and yeah. uh, if they're playing a sport, you know, just show up at a game, just say, hey man, I I, I see you. Not every game, just you know, a a game to let them know, hey, I'm I'm you know, we're here to support you, man, any way that we can, because everybody doesn't have money, but all of us have time. Wow, that's good, that's good. Um, you know, you talk about giving time and I'm thinking about maybe that young person, you know, who's just wants a little bit of our time. What would you say to someone about the importance of mentoring and and a follow up to that, what does community mean to you? Well, in terms of starting with, with mentoring, I would just simply say it takes a lot of time to mentor. It doesn't even have to, like I said, I did it on an accident, you know what I mean, but now Devontae calls me dad. If I, We call him right now, and he sees my phone number in his, uh, in his phone. He's going to say, what's up, Pop? And he has a stepdad who he calls dad, but he saw me and, and views me as a father figure. And so what I would simply say, the importance of mentoring is the most important conversation me and Devontae had was on in a ride, on our ride, to or from something. It wasn't going to the movies. It wasn't working out. It wasn't, you know, taking them to concerts and things like that. It was literally riding in the car, just talking and laughing, just having a good time, going grocery shopping. You know, how many kids don't get to go grocery shopping with kids? That's such an underrated experience. And so you don't have to do, you don't have to be super mentor. You don't have to be superman or superwoman to mentor somebody. You just have to take the time doing things that you normally do. Just take a kid with you, cooking, yeah cleaning, washing the car, mowing the grass, go grocery shopping, working out, you know, going to pay bills, run errands. And so um, when you when you ask the follow-up question about what does this community mean to me, I am the community. I am somebody who needed help. I am somebody that grew up wow. poor. I am somebody who who needed, a, 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 like I said, a mentor and, and, and people to the power of influence. The first time my dad who was still in my life ever told me he was proud of me was when I graduated high school. I needed somebody mm. along the way those first 18 years of life saying, you know what, a good job, way to get them, you know, in sports and in, in high school and in middle school and just talk about girls and stuff like that. I needed somebody for that. I didn't have that in a formal way, even though my father was in my life. We didn't have those kind of conversations because he didn't, you know, he worked all the time, and his dad worked all the time, so he was doing what, his father, what he saw his father do. The color and the language of love in everybody is different. And so the thing for, for, for this community, I think the community's language of love is time, because you have to take time in this community, no matter what community you serve in. It's not your community or their community. It's our community. Right. You know, it makes me ask the question, you know, can you really care and not do something about it? You know, if you really care, how can you say you care and not act upon it? Love as action. And when you mention, you know, I see you, just telling that young person, I see you, 
And think about it. If you won't see them when they're doing well on the football field or they're doing well in school, you might see them at the courthouse or you right. might see them as they're trying to hijack your car. I think the days of, you know, sitting back and speaking about the community as if it's some far place are over. The spillover effect is here. You know, that young man that you might help literally might be that young man that you're not going to have to, you know, pay for in prison. Talk a little bit about what you've seen in that Fayetteville area, some of the impact that's being made in on a daily basis for you. Man, uh, it, it's so many different examples. Uh, I, this one young lady who's um, who's a who's one of four kids, the oldest of four kids. Mom got stranded in a in Germany after Dad kind of abandoned them. He was in the military, and you know she comes back to to the states, and Mom is basically you know poor and trying to make it happen. You know, and this young girl didn't have any respect for men, period, because of what she observed her father do to her mom, and so. Uh, she comes to our program, and and also she has the biggest problems that she had. The, the three biggest things that she had was that she didn't respect men. Period. She didn't respect herself because she she was a little you know full figure girl, but she wasn't comfortable being full figure. She was still trying to squeeze in little size clothes because of what it said on the tag, and and would rather be uncomfortable than to be comfortable in a bigger size. And three, she didn't like the color of her skin. She didn't like being a dark skinned girl. And so those three elements is what we work with. And, Mike, as you know, I am a dark-skinned guy. And so I promote being dark-skinned. I don't have no problem <laughs> with it. And, uh, and, uh, and you, as one of my dark-skinned brothers, you know, we I made it safe to say you're dark-skinned and love your skin. And yeah. she would develop, and kind of that flower would come to bloom. And, and a kid that wasn't supposed to go to college is now a freshman at Federal State University and got more, more confidence than me and you combined. <laughs> you know, so um, and and loving right. who she is and appreciating and having respect for men, and and the biggest gift that I've been given from a kid at Finder Friend to include all of my mentees was when her mom called me and asked me if I would come to see her off for the prom because her prom's date, both of his parents were coming and she didn't have a dad. And so wow. when I got there, you know, I, I was I was really blown away. And I just kind of played the dad role or whatever, and that's exactly how she introduced me. Never, We never talked about it. It was never planned. It was never something that was like, okay, you're going to be dad for today. But that's what she said to this gentleman and, her, and his family, and this is my dad. And I, just, wow. I, I wouldn't have never known, and she's been in my program for four years, that she saw me like that. Wow. So it's just, you know, yeah. those are some of the powerful. It doesn't take a lot to change the life of a child. It just takes time, and time is the one resource that we cannot reproduce or, or develop or manipulate in any way. you got to just give it. No doubt, no doubt. Briefly, with our few minutes left, tell us about what's going on there at Fayetteville Urban Ministries. Uh, what are your program components? What are you doing there for the community, and how can others help to get involved? We have a uh, we have an emergency assistance program which does food, bags, and clothes. So families there in need for food and clothing, they can come and get some assistance through our emergency assistance program. We have a Nehemiah program which does home repairs for low-income homeowners, moderate to low-income homeowners. We have an adult literacy program because in Cumberland County, 24% of the adult population ages 16 and older read at or below the fifth grade reading level. And so we match them up one-on-one -on -one with adult tutors to help get them to the level, you know, where they can read really well. Um, and a quick story is that this gentleman named Tommy came to us about two, about a year ago, and I just met Tommy um, not long after he came to us. He couldn't read his name off, a piece, off of a piece of paper, a street sign, or billboard, nothing. And he's 30 years old, and he graduated from a local high school. But the only reason why he came to us is because he, he had a three-year-old son who wanted him to start reading books to him. And so he said, you know what, I can't hide no more. I got a son, I got a little man, I need to teach him how to read, and I need to know how to read. And that touched my soul because I'm 30 years old, and I got a, and I, at the time I had a three-year-old son, and I couldn't imagine not being able to read my son. But well, last but not least, obviously, we have the Finder from Youth Program, which targets kids ages 7 to 18, well, I'm teaching them character building and life skills, the things that uh, that they don't teach in the classroom anymore that, you know, when we were growing up, 
a lot of us got taught. You know, and so it's just uh, we believe in uh, it takes a village on every level. And so that's that's kind of urban ministry and one of the things that we have coming up. Um, we always have a need for volunteers, you know, from answering the telephone to sorting food, sorting clothes, to um, adult being an adult tutor, to being a, a youth mentor. So there's always time type of um, uh, help that you can give us. And obviously, you know, you can always write a check um, because we do have to, we survive off a of donor, um, off of individual donors. And, um, you know, for us to be able to buy food, to give it away, for us to be able to, you know, serve these kids and uh, we have to feed them after school and put gas in buses and take care of things like that. And so there's always a need for uh, uh, monetary donations. And, uh, How can they reach out to you to do that? And they can uh, they can go on our website, www.fayurbmin.org. That's the first three letters of org. And that's org. Or they can pick up the telephone and give us a call, 910 910- Four eight three five nine four four, and they can definitely email me at b price b is in boy p r i c e um, at f a y u r b m i n dot org, and so they can definitely get involved. I, I just say that to anybody. Um, we uh, what we have coming up, and in the last couple minutes, I'll, I'll cover this. We have a what is called an honor card uh, campaign that's going to kick off on November the eighth which is a holiday greeting card. You know how everybody buys Christmas cards to send to their family, uh, friends. Well, we have an artist that paints a card, uh, and the painting is on on this card. And the card costs five bucks, but it's giving the gift of honor to your loved one. So instead of just going to, you know, your local market and uh, local stores and buying these Christmas cards, you can buy them from Urban Ministry, and you've made a donation in the name of the people that you're sending the card to. Awesome. Well, Brandon, we appreciate you being on the broadcast with us today and for sharing your gifts and talents with the community. And I would share with you as well. Don't get weary in your well-doing. And uh, we just appreciate all that you're doing. Keep up the great work. Any parting shots before you go? Man, I just uh, I, I just uh, big-time shout-out to you, Mike, and the Brown Bag uh, um, radio show. I think what you're doing is just phenomenal, and I um, and I and I say the same thing to you that you said to me. Don't be weary in your in your well doing. Um, continue to uplift and, and and pull up pull up pull us up as we continue to move throughout this community and uh, and help each other. So I appreciate this opportunity. I've learned a tremendous amount uh, uh, from you. Um, you too have written a book that I've uh, I've read and enjoyed. And so I just definitely don't uh, don't downplay that because uh, a lot of the things that I I uh, incorporate into my own life are things that I observe from others and, uh, and, and a lot of them are peers just like you. And so I just appreciate you continuing to be an example and a light to others. I appreciate that shout-out on the book. That's Born to Achieve, and those who are interested can go to my website, brownsleadership.com. I appreciate that plug. And just know that uh, we're going to keep you and Reverend Davenport uplifted in prayers, and we're going to pray that God would send more laborers into the harvest. So God bless you, man. Take care. All right. Mike, I've enjoyed this. Do you have any parting shots? No, no, Mike, I just want to say great job. Um, this is really coming along well. Um, you, you have a, a, a great um, resource of guests and pool of guests that you've pulled from. And I'm always just excited to hear uh, who you've got next because, um, you know, they, they've just been some dynamic individuals, man. So I, I'm just looking forward to next week. Well, Mike, I'm looking forward to next week as well. And uh, we've got a very special guest coming on next week, Miss um, Kimberly Worthy. She was the uh, Teacher of the Year in 2009 in Washington, D.C., and she's going to bless our audience. And let me take time to thank you personally, Mike, uh, for this platform. Uh, a voice without a microphone doesn't carry as far, and you've extended your platform to me, so I want to say thank you. Oh, you're welcome, man. Keep doing a great job. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the support. And before we wrap up today, I want to shout out all of those heroes and sheroes who are on the front lines with their sleeves rolled up every day, empowering and strengthening our communities. You do it on a daily basis. Many times you do it without much fanfare or applause. Today, we salute you. You're the ones serving in church, at the nursing homes, working in the after-school programs, and mentoring our youth. You're making a positive difference. We salute you. 
For those who are listening and you see the need in your community, lend a hand, get involved. No act of kindness is too small. Use your gifts to serve others. I'm signing off. As always, love God, love people, and live on purpose. It's the brown bag.